So I was hoping, I was like, man, I hope in Tenant they just don't fucking halt the brakes and like explain something super stupid in this movie. Then I watched the movie. About halfway through the movie, I was like, I really wish they'd explain it. I wish it. I really <laughs> wish they'd pump the fucking brakes and understand, so I can understand what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Uh, I take back everything I said about that. <laughs> I'm a dummy. I'm sorry. Can I'm you so dumb. Tell me? <laughs> Welcome to A Cast With No Name. We're your hosts. I'm Jay. And I'm Matt. This is episode 31. This episode, we will be discussing our top five most confusing movies that we have watched. Obviously, because movies we haven't watched aren't confusing. That's right. So This is the head scratcher episode, huh? Yeah, yeah, the, the, what, the what the fuck? Yeah, <clears throat> So what's going on? Yeah, but first, don't forget to... Uh, Visit our website, acastwithnoname.com, where you can comment on episodes and write to our email, which is contact.acastwithnoname at gmail.com. Um, so, as always, before we get into this, do you want to start with criteria? As sure. Far as- Let's do that. And shout out to Nicole for doing this for you. Yeah. I got to admit, this was, uh, I don't want to say painful, because that's not true. It was just very difficult to do, because my number one, after I... I, normally when I do this, I, I normally watch the movies again just to mm-hmm. kind of solidify my thoughts. After watching what I knew would be my number one pick, I was like, I can't do this four more times. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. It's it's tough. It, um, yeah. I thought about <clears throat> four of the movies on my list I remember very well. One of them I was thinking about rewatching, and I thought about rewatching last night. And I saw the runtime of two hours and 20 minutes and I was like, fuck that. I'm not, I don't have time for that. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not putting in the work. Right. But you remember why you were confused. Exactly. There you go. So, um, I felt the same way. Yeah. Yeah. My number one, I'm I can't do, I was like, I can't do it. Cause there's a reason why it's confusing and I don't like that feeling. I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The movie, a couple on my list, I do enjoy the movie overall, but you know, and we'll go into criteria. I thought the ending was confusing why would you end the movie that way mm-hmm. kind of thing but yeah let's get into that what were your so criteria my criteria is i i tried to pick a variety because there wasn't because i'm so smart and my intel- oh you're you're a goddamn genius I, I my intelligence is so far superior yeah. to the average uh dumbass if you will the right me uh, the laid man is that what you say the laid, laid man yeah. Um, wow, you are smart. I am. It's it's just it's so up there that just you miss it if you if you're not paying attention. Um, a lot of movies that I've seen haven't confused me. As always, I do like what are some of the confusing movies that people think of, and uh, so I hit up Google. I was like, what do people find confusing? And there was stuff on there like The Matrix, which when it first came out, I can kind of see. Uh, but it's not confusing anymore. No, um, definitely not. There's there was other movies like uh, Interstellar, and I'm like, how how is that confusing? Or how I mean, there's a lot of movies yeah. on that list. Being John Malkovich, I'm like that that's not confusing. It's like it, I didn't feel con- it confused me at all when I first watched it. Um, well, the central themes in those movies, in particular, are different. I guess they stand out from movies at the time. Mm-hmm. But you're right. They're not. You can follow the story and the plot, and you understand what's going on. Yeah, 
And I so I kind of gravitated towards mo- one movies that I've watched, but two movies that when <clears throat> it's still not really clear cut mm-hmm. what the hell happened, people still kind of talk about it today. Um, and but I have different varying degrees. So I have one movie that um, I mean, there's I think two or three movies on this list confused me when I first watched it after rewatching them. I, there was something in the movie that at least made it possible for me to draw my own conclusion. Whether if that is the same conclusion that someone else has doesn't matter. It's just that there was enough content there in the film that kind of was at least able to guide me to my own conclusion. Right. Um, but, um, I didn't pick unbelievably just bad movies that were sloppily put together like oh what happened to this subplot and i i didn't do that because that's just poor filmmaking as opposed to being either purposely confusing or purposely uh thought provoking correct in that sense. okay so, i like that yep How, yeah uh, what about you yeah same thing all the movies on my list i mean they're very from a filmmaking perspective they're well done uh-huh. uh but either the ending itself, it ended on a note that didn't make sense, very confusing. I'm trying to connect why you would end on that way, why you would end that way. And you could either just cut that scene out altogether. Mm-hmm. I, I think I know what you're thinking because oh. I think it's on my list too. Okay. Or you could have just uh, rewritten the scene that you ended on. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the the number five on my list that, it, that I'll kick off. I, I, I don't know what kind of uh point they were trying to make it seems like it was just something that was thrown in in there because they felt like they had to say it and for whatever reason they put it in this movie Mm -hmm. but anyway that and if the just the plot itself i couldn't follow it i was trying to understand the mechanics and uh the central themes in the movie to drive the plot forward if that was confusing or I didn't understand it. And I'm going like five minutes behind the movie to try to figure out why we're here, where we are now, you know, that I would have to rewatch it again Mm -hmm. and again. And if I don't get it by like the second or third viewing, then it just, it's lost. It's lost. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Uh, what's your number five? My number five is killing them softly. Oh, Okay. You ever seen that movie? I have not. Uh, it stars Brad Pitt. Spoilers abound, people. Yes. So. Uh, this came out in 2012, so I mean, if you haven't seen Killing Them Softly, you've had 10 years to watch it. But uh, essentially, it's about three small-time crooks who rob a mob-protected illegal gambling operation, which prompts the mob to send two hitmen, Jackie, played by Brad Pitt, and Mickey, played by James Gandolfini, to deal with the perpetrators. Again, directed by Andrew Dominic. I don't know if you've ever seen his movies. Uh, he did uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. I've That's always been on my watch list, and I've just never been around to watching it. Right, okay. And he did uh, he did that movie with Eric, or sorry, Tom Hardy. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Nicholas Winding Refn. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, he did a movie with uh, Eric Bana. Uh, I, God, I can't remember what it's called. Let me look it up here. But anyway... Uh, the assassination of uh, Chopper. Chopper's the one with Eric Bana. Which is kind of just a character study film. It's like an hour and 45 minutes. And then he does The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert, the longest title in the history of film. And mm-hmm. it's like a two hour and 45 minute, again, character study that's 
beautifully shot, long, drawn out scenes of dialogue between two characters. It's very a slow burn, but it's very well done. This movie is like an hour and 25, 30 minutes and change. It's very quick. It's very much of your typical like crime neo thriller mm-hmm. with Hitman. It's essentially what it is. And then he did he just did Blonde, which is one of the worst movies that I've seen this year. It's awful. <laughs> Again. So he's hit or miss. Yeah. He's a good filmmaker, but uh um he's just out there sometimes. And this is definitely the movie's pretty good. It's your typical, like I said, gangster hitman movie, uh Brad Pitt's just going through the motions of uh, tr- trying to track down these three uh guys who decided to rob a mob boss's gambling game. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, one of them is Ben Mendelsohn. He's really good in the movie. Um, but so they get the idea to, to, to rob that mob boss from that m- mob boss's, uh, the mob boss whose game, whose ge- uh, <laughs> card game that they're, they're stealing from. This is from. fucking confusing. Exactly. <laughs> the, the mob boss's gambling game that they're robbing from, his name is Mickey. And it's played by Ray Liotta. He did it prior to his own gambling game. He stole money from his own game and blamed it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then the guy, the three guys that robbed it in this movie got the idea from him. And they thought that the mob would blame it on Mickey again because he's done it already. Mm-hmm. And Brad Pitt catches on to that. He's like, oh, I know who did it. It's these guys because they got the idea that they thought that they could screw over Mickey because he did it before. Yeah. So anyway, he... He's hired by the mob to just take out Mickey, Ray Liotta's character, and then the three hitmen to kind of level set the mob playing field. We got to quit this shit out. Mm-hmm. We got to knock it out. That's the story. Okay? So it gets all all that culminates into into the, the final scene in the bar where uh, Jackie, played by Brad Pitt, is there to collect money by Richard Jenkins, who's the guy who hired him to do the job. Okay. Okay, so that's the movie. It leads up. He kills everybody. Brad Pitt started to collect his money at the bar. And then the movie ends with this scene, which I'm going to play for you now. You are a cynical bastard, you know that. To reclaim the American dream and reaffirm that fundamental truth that out of many we are one. You hear that line? Line's for you. Don't make me laugh. For one people. It's a myth created by Thomas Jefferson. Oh, now you never go with Jefferson, huh? My friend, Jefferson's an American saint. Because he wrote the words, all men are created equal. Words he clearly didn't believe since he allowed his own children to live in slavery. He was a rich wine snob who was sick of paying taxes to the Brits. So yeah, he wrote some lovely words and aroused the rabble and they went out and died for those words. While he sat back and drank his wine and fucked his slave girl. This guy wants to tell me we're living in a community. Don't make me laugh. I'm living in America. And in America, you're on your own. America's not a country. It's just a business. Now fucking pay me. So that's how it ended? That's how it ended. Cut the black. So I, when I watched that initially, I, I was thinking to myself, what were they trying to say based off what I just watched? I watched a typical uh, mob movie about hitmen mm-hmm. killing each other. And then it ends on some sort of uh, political soliloquy. I, I kind of understand what they were trying to go with. They were trying to make the parallel of uh, during that time, that was the recession and Obama got elected and all that stuff. And Brad Pitt's essentially saying that, you know, there's no morals. It's we're just 
it's a business. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care what your, uh, your underlying motivations are. I did a job. Uh, I don't care who gets hurt. No, no fucking pay me. That's pretty yeah. much what he said. Um, but it's just an, it's just an odd context an odd scene to end on based off w- what you witnessed the previous hour and a half. <clears throat> Uh, this is my butthole talking because I haven't seen the movie. And sure. all, the only thing I've saw or heard of it is the clip that you just played yep. to where <clears throat> maybe they were drawing parallels to where, I don't know how vicious Brad Pitt was mm-hmm. in this movie yep. to where um, if they were trying to kind of draw parallels between what he does and people in power to where, Oh, these people are making their living on the streets, doing things, um, uh, underneath the government radar or whatever, but then just kind of drawing parallels that we're all the same kind of thing to where some people just do it out in the open and other people's kind of do it in the shadows. Um, just because he's on TV spouting off a lovely speech to get people enthused and everything. He's doing the exact same shit, just in a different way. Same reason that our founding fathers did the exact same shit. They would just say something, but in the shadows, they were doing something else. To where hmm. maybe saying everyone's all the same just because I'm this I'm not a bad person I'm just a person in this country like everybody else. Yeah, so. I went out. I, I I get what you're saying there. I, I think I think because in the movie Brad Pitt is, I mean he's your typical hitman. He he the reason it's called killing them softly is that's how he likes to kill people mm-hmm. in the shadows when they're not seeing it coming. That's okay. So um. Again, this goes back to why it's confusing. Like, yeah. there's your explanation, and there and there's, like, what point was the director trying to make or the right. writer trying to make when he wrote that scene? Like, what was the purpose of it? Right, exactly. Yep. I think, and again, I think he was trying to say that, uh, um, yeah, like he said, Amer- America is a business. Like, this is a business transaction. You're trying to screw me over. Uh, we have principles. I have principles. The guy that we're the, the guy that's talking on the TV claims to have principles, and our founding fathers have claimed to have principles, but they end up uh, being hypocrites and and fucking the little guy over anyway. You're not going to do that to me mm-hmm. with this transaction. Now, you know, now pay me, kind of thing. But I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. It was just weird. Mm-hmm. And then it's just one of those movies too where it just fades to black, and you're expecting something else. Like a following scene or something. I thought it would have ended uh, to where Brad Pitt's character would have like killed Richard Jenkins, and then because he got screwed over, and then another scene where he he goes to kill the guy who uh, hired Richard Jenkins to hire him. Because mm-hmm. based off how everything else was happening, uh, Brad Pitt's character Jackie uh, was doing his own thing to to justify the means of getting the job done. Got you. Yeah. So it didn't make. It didn't circle the loop there. Yeah, I wonder, and again, I don't know if the person who wrote or the director, if it was more on the nose in the first draft, and they're like, oh, it's just not working. Let's make yeah. it more obscure, or like, let's give the audience some kind of credit to mm-hmm. come to this conclusion just from the scene as opposed to explicitly saying it. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Or they were just trying to, you know, this movie came out four years after Obama was elected and the recession hit and ruined a lot of people's lives. Maybe you just wanted to comment on that and wanted to throw it in there. I don't yeah, know. Maybe. I don't know. That's don't why know. it's number five, Jay. Got you. All right. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> uh, my number five um, is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Ooh. Um, 
So I have four on my list. I I like The Shining. And I was going to ask you, do you enjoy it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I like it a lot. Um, except for the last shot, uh, which the what camera is the going shot? down the hallway and it has. The, oh, you see the wall of all these pictures. That's right. And the camera kind of pushes into this picture in 1925. Mm-hmm. And you see Jack Nicholson there at a party smiling. And it was like New Year 1925. Yeah. And the movie takes place in the 70s, 80s, 80s. 70s, 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and what just, was that for? Just ends on it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? it doesn't No. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it yeah. didn't need to be in there. Um, I can see that. It didn't make the movie better. It didn't make it. I, I guess it just left it on a confusing note. Because leading up to the movies, it's a. It's a good story on somebody slowly losing their mind. Right. Um, from seclusion and dealing with either writer's block or whatever. Um, and the hotel itself being haunted kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So Succumbing you had a pretty that. straightforward story. That was great. And it, it, they had some weird parts in there. Like oh, yeah. The blowjob bear. bear <laughs> <laughs> zombie lady getting out of the bath. Just like. But it fit in the horror sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they had a couple of scenes and uh, when he's sitting at the bar and he's like, oh, you've always been here kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, it, but then they end on the photograph and I'm like, OK, but so. So he was a ghost the whole time. Yeah, the whole time had a child, got married. All of that. Or was he the offspring like the Some, son, the great yeah. grandson and, of the whatever, guy in the photo. Yeah. Whatever they were trying to tell wasn't necessary. Yeah. And I put that as my number five just because it was a small, tiny thing. Just at the very end, if they would, they could have ended it before that shot, it would have been fine. Right. Um, And yeah, that last shot wasn't needed. It's don't know why it was in there. Yep. It's not like it was a a last oh shit that's what it all meant and then cut the black kind of a gotcha thing it wasn't any of that it was just a random thing yeah that was in the movie that don't understand why it was in there don't know what the purpose he was trying to make and i don't know if it's explained in the book at all i haven't read the book um doesn't matter if it's explained in the book or not <laughs> yeah. because you're making a movie. Yeah. And so if you want to have something in the movie, then it tend, tends need, it needs to make sense yeah. to where I'm not one of those people. Um, oh, why'd that character do that? Well, in the book he did. Nah, nope. You can't do that. Like you need to explain it in the movie. It needs yeah. to be uh, characters need to be formed and decisions need to be supported by things that happen in the movie. Right. Um, That's why they're called adaptions. <clears throat> Correct. So you can't fit everything in the book. You pick and choose what you can use. Mm -hmm. You throw it in there. If uh, you throw something in there to where... Now, you could throw tiny little fan service things in there for people who have read the book. But putting some... But that's like tiny things that a normal viewer who hasn't read the book wouldn't... Notice. Notice. And um, yeah, so not a big deal. Still enjoy the movie. I still watch it a lot. It's um, one. It's one of the best horror movies ever made. Yeah, and it's very good. It's just that that last shot is like that. What is that? Why? You're right. It is confusing. So, have you ever seen Room Two Thirty Seven? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, that <laughs> it just goes through all the theories of why he made the movie. Yeah. And what and, it's about. Uh, that's a little. 
a little that, off. That's a lot of neck. What do you think, Jay? A lot of time on their <laughs> Jay, hands. Jay, do you think it's about the Native American genocide? Jesus. <laughs> the uh... <laughs> or the 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 fake moon landing. That was one. Yeah. Um, There's a couple more. Yeah, so back to your. In that, in the, so room two thirty seven is a documentary, basically about everyone's theories about The Shining. Why do, Stanley Kubrick is, you know, a genius and did calculus in his spare time. He was getting bored with filmmaking, and everyone was at the time was wondering why he would decide to adapt a Stephen King novel, The Shining, because mm-hmm. a lot of theories out there he was just bored, and this is like, yeah, I'll just make a movie out of a horror novel. Like, yeah, people won't expect that out of me, and. I'll make I'll make I'll have uh, sub subvervent themes in it. Mm-hmm. Sub, sorry, some some suburban, sub submersive, sub 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 submissive, sub submissive. <laughs> I'm not good with words. Subservient. I'm pretty dumb. Sub uh, underlining uh, underlining things. Subtextual. Yeah. Ooh, subtext. Anyway, non-obvious yeah. themes. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> so <laughs> fool dumb. me once, well, shame on me. Uh, fool me once, uh, shame. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Uh, can't get fooled again. Yeah, you're not going to fool me again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so one of the theories was he wanted to make a movie that if you overlaid it going forwards and backwards, like there would be some sort of like symbiosis. Yeah, symmetry. or Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so the opening shot in the movie is, is the winding roads and the credits roll, mm-hmm. and that syncs up with like the credits of the end. The long shot to the picture you're talking about at the end. Mm-hmm centers perfectly on the close-up to the hotel like jack nicholson's face is perfectly aligned with the hotel shot at the end and then there the uh not cutaways what's the what's the word the uh, transition scenes are perfectly into the hotel lobby all that shit it's very interesting i don't know Mm -hmm. if that's what he was intending to do it's kind of like you know you play the record backwards and yeah. And you have the Kiss record backwards, and it's like, or the Beatles. What mm-hmm. is that? Yeah, Paul is dead. Paul is and dead, then, and all that. Sh- yeah, also the Dark Side of the Moon syncing up with the Wizard of Oz. Right. So it's just coincidences Coincidence. that were found by people that had a lot of time because, like you said, neckbeards. Neckbeards that, yeah, had nothing else to do, and they wanted to find <clears throat> extra meaning. I'm sure maybe right. some of the things they covered in the documentary maybe was something that he intended. Yeah. But I think it's. I mean, they make some compelling arguments. Yeah. And it's a documentary, but, but like, that could be manipulated so easily. Oh, to yeah. Where, to fit their, whatever easily. they're saying. And, like, no one's going to double check the documentary. Like, right. someone who watched the documentary will be like, huh, that's interesting. Except for maybe some guy over here that was like, hmm, I'm going to test out all those things and, like, research all that stuff and see yeah. if it actually holds water. And, yep. But that's what makes him so polarizing, though. He was pretty smart and he is a pretty talented one of the best filmmakers that that have that has ever lived mm-hmm. i almost put 2001 on my list but didn't make it no no so yeah anyway but yeah uh good pick That's, yeah i agree with you Number that, five. that that ending is kind of yeah small thing and yeah. and this and that confusing aspect of it it doesn't ruin the film at all not at all so no. if you haven't seen it watch it it's still a good movie it's very it good it doesn't it doesn't diminish it it's just kind of like why is that in there? Yeah. But there's a couple of things in there that are like, why is that in there? But you kind of yeah. go with it because it, it works with the rest of the movies. So. Right. I feel the same way about my next pick. Okay. But uh, if, yeah, see The Shining and then after that, watch Dr. Sleep because Dr. Sleep's actually a very, it's pretty good, very good movie. Mm-hmm. It's a good sequel to that movie, too. Shout out to Mike Flanagan. Yes. He's great. All right. 
My number five is... Uh, number four. Sorry, my number four. Number four. Geez, see, I told you. Yeah, you're so smart. I'm so smart. <laughs> uh, no Country for Old Men. Okay. Again, love the movie. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure most people have seen No Country yeah, for Old Like The Shining. I, I've seen it. I've only seen it once. Okay. So, I guess, what what uh, do you find so, confusing in it? Okay. Do you, do you remember the overall story? Yeah. It was a typical... typical. Ethan, Joel and Ethan Cohen movie. Right. And Llewellyn, played by Josh Brolin, stumbles upon a drug dealer gone bad. He steals the money from the drug dealers because they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the drug dealers want their money, the cartel or whoever, and they hire a hitman played by Javier Bardem to track down the money. Yep. And that's all it is. It's mm-hmm. Javier Bardem tracking down Josh Brolin. Yep. That's it. So anyway, again, uh, doesn't doesn't diminish the movie, but the ending with Tommy Lee Jones's last line of dialogue is just very uh, an odd way to end that movie. Okay, let me set this clip up. So the movie ends with uh, Tommy Lee Jones who's trying to find uh, Lou Ellen, Josh Bowen's character mm-hmm. uh, because he's the sheriff investigating the crime. It ends with, he's at the kitchen table talking to his wife and he said, I had some dreams last night. And then his wife asked him, can you tell me your dreams? And that's where it Oh, I can. Two of them. Both had my father in them. It's peculiar. I'm older now than he ever was by 20 years. So, in a sense, he's the younger man. Anyway, the first one I don't remember too well, but it was about meeting him in town somewhere and he gave me some money. I think I lost it. The second one, it was like we was both back in the older times. And I was a horseback going through the mountains of the night, going through this pass in the mountains. It was cold and there was snow on the ground. He rode past me and kept on going, never said nothing going by, just rode on past me. He had his blanket wrapped around him, his head down. When he rode past, I seen he was carrying fire and a horn the way people used to do. And I, I could see the horn from the light inside of it, about the color of the moon. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He was fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. And that's it. It's so confusing. Such a weird way to end that movie. I remember watching the movie theater uh, thinking, God, this is one of the best movies I've seen this year. And then it ended that way. And I'm thinking, what? Why? Why Why would you end it that way? That doesn't make any sense to me. It's so weird. What do you think? What do you, why was, what was the purpose of that story? Why would you end it that way? You'll have to remind, because I saw this, when did it come out? It was like 2007. 2000, Jesus. Yeah. Did you feel old? Doesn't it feel like that movie came out like five years ago? I think I saw it in 2008. Um, yeah. uh, was Tommy Lee Jones in it quite a bit? I mean, he was, he was. Kind of, he was like the lawman yeah. that was just kind of investigating everything. Every, yeah. He found out that Josh Brolin's character stole the money and the cartel was after him. And he saw, he was kind of in the, in the wake of all the bodies that Javier Bardem was leaving behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know. I'd almost have to watch it again to see if there was mm. some kind of parallel that they were drawing with whatever the movie. Because, I mean, he could have been, it could have been based on uh, his dreams, based on what he experienced yeah. in that story and just kind of trying to make sense of it all to where um, maybe he was looking at himself as far as different paths he could have gone. Um, you don't know why his father's died before him it could have more than likely health issues but maybe mm-hmm. his father was wrapped up in something that was wrong um maybe it wasn't it could have just been i don't know i'd have to watch it again to yeah where, um i've watched it like it's one of my favorite coen brothers movies i've seen it probably five or six times because the movie itself is great i mean javier bardem is awesome in it and it's well paced it's well made it's just a great movie and i, I still can't figure out what the parallel is with that story mm-hmm. with the overall theme of the movie. Cause in the movie, Tom Lee Jones has numerous scenes where he mentions like a newspaper story of a guy killing like 13 people, most women and kids. And he just can't understand what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. How someone could be so violent uh, with no rhyme or reason for doing what they're doing. It's not like the old times. So it's something related to that to where he can't, he doesn't understand the violence in the world today. Um, he doesn't understand decisions and why they're made today because there doesn't seem to be any uh rhyme or reason for why people do what they do he doesn't think that people have morals anymore and they're kind of just flying by the seat of their pants trying to just make making decisions just based purely on personal gain and i mean that could have been just what the dream was about then it was just him remembering his father to where when he talks about him riding up ahead to where when he was younger it made sense to where his father left him up ahead. He knew that he would be there waiting for him when he got there mm-hmm. to where there was a right and a wrong. He could, he could rely on things and understand things. He could understand why his father would get mad if he lost money that after he gave it to him. Um, I mean, maybe something to do with that. But again, the, the Coen brothers typically, um, they kind of end it in their movies just kind of, with a little piece of dialogue, like Fargo, you mm-hmm. had um, um, Francis McDormand driving um, Ungentine. <laughs> driving what? Uh, I say Ungentine. That was a line he had when he cut his hand when he broke into <laughs> um, Jerry's uh, house to kidnap his wife. But when she's driving the patrol car and has the guy in the back. And they kind of have a little dialogue. It's a little bit. It's like, oh, it's a beautiful day, and yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. kind of a low key conversation. Same thing like Big Lebowski, um, to <laughs> where they spread Donnie's ashes, and then Walter <laughs> goes on and says something. And the dude kind of gets irritated. It's like, yeah. what? And then they talk, and then it just kind of ends. Yeah. The um, and uh, I mean, maybe maybe it was as simple as. This is what this guy sees yeah. every day. And all this shit he found that as he was walking through the wake of this, all this destruction, he goes home, wakes up. Oh, I had a couple of dreams. Maybe he's seen it so much that it didn't affect him mm. because he didn't dream of it or something to where it's just the life that he's living in to where he's around all this death and destruction. And it's gotten to the point it doesn't affect him. Yeah. I, I thought about it. Maybe it's uh, he said it's his dad's out there in the cold and the dark, starting a fire, and he knew he was there waiting for him. I don't know if he thought maybe he's thinking, did I do enough to prevent all this 
chaos and all these atrocities that I've been investigating. Am I doing enough? Am I is is that my dad waiting to judge me mm. before I go into the next life or whatever? I thought that maybe that's might be what he's what they're trying to. But was he dealing with, was he wrestling with any kind of aspect like that before or like throughout the movie? Like, was he questioning him like, oh, should I be doing more? No, you didn't get that feeling. So then that, I mean, yeah. so that's why I say I would almost have to watch again and see, look at the minute details of his character in that movie. Because like, I mean, drawing a conclusion like that to where there was no kind of pretense for that Mm -hmm. feeling to where... I mean, unless he felt inadequate or what he was doing was inadequate. Um, if there's no sense of that previously, then I doubt yeah. that that's what that would be. Or maybe it's just, like he said, uh, there, he doesn't understand why people do these violent things that they do with no rhyme or reason. So the Coen brothers wanted to end the movie on, I, I don't I don't know what he's saying. Just you figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Shit happens in the world. Yeah, what, exactly. what are you going to do? Like- <laughs> exactly. It could be as simple as that, too. I don't know. But I mean, Tom Lee, the way he says it in his performance when he's saying it, it's mm-hmm. very, I mean, he's good at delivering dialogue, so. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But it is confusing. Anyway, that's right. my number four. Number four. Yeah. My number four, another Stanley Kubrick movie, 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> Speak of the devil. Um, this is going to be a top five Stanley Kubrick movies, <laughs> confusing movies, one and the same. Number three, Eyes Wide Shut, not <laughs> enough titties. <laughs> confusing. <laughs> I'm confused why there's not more titties. <laughs> why isn't there more orgy scenes in this movie? Uh, but yeah, number four, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. and Almost made my list. Yeah, and the give a quick synopsis. I'm sure everyone's seen it. After uncovering a mysterious artifact buried beneath the lunar surface, a spacecraft is sent to Jupiter to find its origins. A space, spacecraft manned by two men and the supercomputer HAL 9000. Um classic uh definitely worth watching this is another movie to where the ending did not ruin it for me yeah um and the movie starts off uh you see primitive man Mm -hmm. and then they and they come in contact with a solid black slab uh the monolith yeah and the primitive man which are like i don't know not monkeys, but like all like Neanderthals. No, it's like before that. It was like yeah. It was bef- It was um. They come in contact. Anyways, uh, these monkeys come in contact with this monolith, and it kind of gives them the inspiration for tools. Yeah. And uh, one monkey grabs a bone and hits over the head another monkey and kills him. Mm-hmm. And it kind of creates the advent of the use of tools. Mm-hmm. Then it flashes forward to um i think it's like two or it's, i think it's like 1990 so, sometime in the future yeah a guy is heading years. He, guy is heading to the moon base and on the moon they find another monolith mm-hmm. and they have it excavated and everything else and you're like oh what does this mean and then the movie jumps forward again to where now there's a mission of two people and the space spacecraft computer Hal uh, are on their way to Jupiter because they're receiving a signal. Yep. And um, <clears throat> flash forward, great sequences with the two men trying to battle AI um, yep. on the computer because the computer is programmed to do something and was programmed to complete its mission. Um, and then on the way to 
Jupiter, they get to Jupiter, they encounter another monolith, and then it kind of goes into a nice plaid <clears throat> 60s montage of randomness yeah. up until the very end, you see a giant space baby. Um, <laughs> wait, There's uh, definitely a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory sequence there with all the plaid and stuff. Yeah, and um, so uh, I put that in there because no one really... No one really knows what's going on. I read the book. Yeah. And I read the book once. If it gave me any insight, I've long forgot about it because I've read other books since then. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but just based on the movie, it didn't diminish it for me at all. Um, it kind of left it open to interpretation. What I got from after watching it and after he experienced a monolith, another jump of evolution occurred mm. for a human life form or for our life form to where he kind of experienced the rest of his life. Like this is kind of the way I kind of read into it. He experienced the rest of his life while at the same time being reborn into a different being. And, but he experienced all of that at once and he watched himself experience that to where he almost transcended it to a different dimension. Right. Um, and a different phase of existence. Uh, that's kind of what I got out of it. Um, I put it as number, th uh, what, number, what did I do? Number three? No, number, number four. Number four. Yeah. Um, because I still like to watch it. Yeah, I do too. It doesn't, um, I've already said it, doesn't take away anything. Um, it's a nice discussion movie mm -hmm. to where it's not so confusing that it just completely obliterates the movie. Like, oh, what's the point? Yeah. Um, because it does enough to build up the world and the setting. It gives you enough to where you can draw, you can kind of almost write your own ending but isn't so obscure throughout the whole movie to where you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. Kind of a thing. Um, it's kind of like Interstellar in a little bit where he goes into that <clears throat> dimension where he can communicate in the past. Yeah. With, the, you know what I mean? Yeah, he, the fourth dimension. Um, was it? It was uh, it's like a library. Time, I think. Something. Yeah, it was the, he thing. enters the black hole and he gets into this other reality where he can communicate. Yeah. Yeah. In the it, past. it was had the same name as the, uh, the thing in The Avengers. Um, oh, the Tesseract. Tesseract. Tesseract, yeah. tesseract. Is it Tesseract or Tesseract? Tesseract. Tesseract. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit like that. To where, yeah. And that's kind of what I thought. Because the first time I watched it, I think I was probably, I think I was in high school the first time I saw this movie. And I was just kind of like taken aback by like, um, all right. Uh I guess that happened. Watched it a couple more times in college. And then I, as I kept watching it more and more, I just kind of and started learning new things and are just experiencing yeah. life to where, I mean, I just kind of came to that conclusion. Maybe in 30 years when I watch it again, I'll think of something else or come to a yeah. different conclusion. Um, I just saw it for the first time this past year. I really liked it, especially specifically the I can't. It's one of those movies where you can't believe it was made. In the time that it was made, can, can you see why people think that Stanley Kubrick filmed this, the the, the moon, moon landing? landing, and why people think yeah, because this came out a year before, <laughs> before the moon it. landing, absolutely, and it looks amazing. It looks very good. It's it's pretty incredible. I think it's like one of two movies I have on 4K. I mean, it, this came out 
68. What, nine years before Star Wars. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It looks really good. And in a lot of aspects, it looks better than Star Wars, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, but remind me, uh, why? I know that Hal kind of rebels and does his own thing, but why does he do that again? What was Dave trying to do? I can't remember. Uh, Dave, I believe he wanted to... I think he wanted to go explore is either a distress signal or he wanted to get closer and Hal did not want that to happen. Well, I think Hal wanted to go to the monolith to get the monolith, I believe. Oh, Hal wanted to. And, and I Dave think, didn't want to do that. Well, I think shit was just happening to where the two astronauts were like, we got to, because I think the rest of the crew died. Died. Yeah. I think Dave was trying to save them. If I remember right. And, um, to where, yeah, whatever it was. I mean, the last time I saw it, it was probably four, four or five years ago. But I get so lost in it that I just, I don't care the reasoning. I just, I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that, Dave. <clears throat> yeah. Huh. But it, You're right. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't honestly don't know what the ending means, mm-hmm. which is why it was almost on the list. And, and that that's why I just, I mean, whatever it is supposed to mean, I feel like it's supposed to be, inexplicable yeah so, so what i mean and that's what kind of led me to the i mean what did you think first time you saw it as far as what well first i thought what what <laughs> what's going on uh but yeah going back to the previous themes of you know the monolith and the monkeys and uh they get the inspiration to use tools so some sort of human evolution uh there's that and then so how how does that correlate with them finding it on the moon, what sort of evolutionary technological jump was made um, from or that was it just moment. just like a tablet? Yeah. Yeah. And then, because Hal wasn't on the ship to the moon, or wasn't, right. No. So so I'm assuming from the, them finding it on the moon, they developed artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. which then cascades them over to Jupiter to find that. And then uh, I, where, where I'm confused is, okay, so we're, we're using that pattern. What technological jump are they making for the monolith rot- orbiting Jupiter, which goes to your point with maybe they just transcended like a different dimension to where not, it's not necessarily technological. It's, it's just a different plane of existence. Right. Correct. Yep. I think you're right there. So that, or it's a, just a waypoint to be able to join. Cause I mean, there's, I think theories like aliens put it there um, or, Maybe ourselves put it there to mm. guide ourselves to get to that point in life, and I mean, I think I think I've heard several different theories, but from what I can remember, I think the book, I think it was like Aliens or something like that, okay. if I remember correctly. But um, I didn't know this was adapted from a book. I had no idea. Yeah, Arthur C. Clarke. So there was, I think, three of them. Oh, so it's a series. <clears throat> yeah, they did. I, I don't I, there's a sequel to this movie 2010 the year we make contact I've never seen that that has Roy Scheider um hmm. I started watching that because I had never seen it and it, I didn't finish it is that bad it, it wasn't bad it was just it's dated okay and because I think the sequel was made in the 70s and it just wasn't it, it wasn't as good gotcha um or it wasn't as engrossing um well you don't have stanley kubrick directing it yeah so true yeah it's it, not there you go um, 
So that was num- my number four. Good pick. Yeah. Your number three? My number three. Oh, I can't try to remember here. Primer. That's stupid. You didn't understand that? Fucking dummy. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what movie I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um. So yeah, Primer. Uh, essentially, it's very low. It's a low budget movie. I, I don't know if a lot of people have actually seen it or even know about it, but it's pretty good. It came out in what? Two thousand. Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah. Essentially, it's about two guys that accidentally develop time travel in their garage. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it's about. Very low budget. Uh, Shane Carruth directed it. I think for seven thousand dollars. He wrote it, starred in it, um, cut it, did the music, pretty much everything he had to do himself. They had to actually, when they were filming it, they had to be so precise with what they were going to say, how they were going to say it, how they were going to shoot it, because they didn't have enough film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they had no, they they couldn't shoot rolls and rolls. Yeah, and f- finish it up in the editing suite. Exactly, you had to be very deliberate as far as your. Yep, <clears throat> yep. Um, which is incredible. I mean, to make a movie like this for seven grand is just. I don't know how you do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even in 2004, adjusting for inflation, it's very... Uh, so it's got that appeal to it. It's got that like charm. I like movies like that mm-hmm. that are just well... Because there's movies that are made for hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars that are way worse than this movie. Yeah. Um, so anyway, why it's confusing, essentially... I mean, I I understand the the movie, the the plot. The plot is they develop time travel. They know they can go back in time for six hours... And their purpose of doing that is they can get tips on the stock market so mm-hmm. their future self can make stock buys yeah. to beat the market so they can get rich. Back to the future part two. Pretty exactly. Much. <laughs> pretty much. And that's why it's number three is because I, I understand the plot of the movie. It's just the, the, uh, the, uh, mm, like back to the future, for example, the mechanism wrapping the mechanism, your head thank around you. the thank actual you. time travel to where they, they escape their little pod. Like, cause there's a scene in the movie. Yeah. They is like the first time they do it. The guy gets out of his little pod and he's like, don't open the door. Like it's kind of like a tent. Yeah. So they get out of the tent, they zip it up, if you will. And as soon as they zip it up, the person who's actually done it before tells his partner, he's like, Hey, don't open your tent. Mm -hmm. He's like, what? Why? He's like, because you're in there. Right. Like already. So, yeah, there's some concepts in there that like when you first watch it, it's like, wait, what? You almost like want to pause it and just think about it. But they do. They they do kind of explain. Try to. Yeah. (laughs) It's really hard to follow. Yeah. They. um, Yeah. Describe what's happening. But yeah, it's a little you you have to bend your mind a little bit Mm -hmm. to because you're thinking about things that you're not used to thinking about. Right. Because everyone thinks about things linearly, which is why time travel stories, they usually fall under like three tropes that are easy to understand. And primer, I think, was probably I think it was one of the first ones to where it was kind of playing it with a more plausible sense to where it was. kind. I mean, it was. It would be confusing first time watching it, especially if, um, I mean, I know the first time I watched it, it was, uh, I mean, it was, I, I enjoyed that scene. That's the scene that sticks out to me the most, just because it was so unique, a, a, a unique way to think about time travel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like, <clears throat> back to the future, it's so easy to understand the mechanism of, it's a flux capacitor, you go 88 miles per hour, you're back, you're back in time. And you're separated by years. Right. Or minutes or whatever. You're, I yeah, mean, yeah. well, you're, 
Yeah, you're you're separated by enough time to where you're able to separate things from happening, right? As opposed to the six hours time frame to where, whoop, you're still in the tent, but that's your, yep, previous self. And the the thing that I struggle with is with this movie, and a lot of time travel movies do this is like, okay, I get the loop, I get that you're in the tent, but the loop had to start somehow. Mm-hmm. So the paradox, it's, 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 there's a loop. I get it. I get the loop, but you got to start the loop Mm -hmm. somehow. And that's where it's, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure that out watching the movie every time I watch it like every couple of years because I just like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I still don't. And then just the, it's one of those few movies too, where it's not afraid of the technical jargon. Yeah. So I'll play a clip here just to give you a, a, a taste of the type of dialogue you hear in the movie. Yep. How many minutes is that? That's 1,347 minutes. Thirteen forty-seven. You got that. Fast. How? Why is it odd? How did you know it was odd? Okay, okay. Because this is it. Okay. This is what's going on. There's an AN and there's a BN. Okay. Let's say the AN is twelve o'clock. The BN is twelve o one. All right. We start the machine with a weeble at the AN. It travels okay, forward normally. You gotta, you gotta write this down. Aaron, there's nothing to write down. Well, then I'm writing it. Okay, fine. Look, it, it travels forward normally towards the BN, and when it gets there, the feed runs down parabolically until it's just stopped. But it doesn't. It curves back around towards the AN. And when it gets back to the AN, now curve that around. Okay, now the Weeble has experienced a total of two minutes. And again, it curves curves back around. It curves parabolic. Right, so it comes back around again, and it does this about 1,300 times. And when it finally exits on the BN, it's traveling an odd number of forward and backward trips. What is so special about 1,300? And why is it about 1,300? Why is it exact? This is not empirical. Here, give me that. I don't know why it's not exact. There's some sort of probability there. Okay, every time it hits the BN, there's a chance, okay, a small chance it's going to curve back around towards the AN. And for some reason, it takes about 1,300 trips before it finally does. But it does have to exit, or else we wouldn't be able to see it afterwards. Okay, let's take a look at this. Yep. So, I mean, that's not even the most technical clip I could find, but mm-hmm. it's just like you, AN, BN, the Weeble, you know, yeah, 1,300. Per- it's just, it goes back parabolically 1,300 times. That's not empirical. Yeah. <laughs> You don't have to write it down. It's like, oh my God, it's just chaos, you know, like you're on cocaine or something. Yeah. But I enjoy it because they don't give an explanation of black holes. Right. They don't they, poke they don't the, do the pencil paper. through the paper. <laughs> I know. Fucking. Or, oh, uh, gravity. The more gravity you have, I, yeah, which that, I, I like they don't do that because other movies they tend to, you have astronauts explaining things to astronauts that astronauts should already be we already know. well aware of and yeah. already know. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that scene in Interstellar where the astronauts are talking and the paper scene, it's like, yeah, like oh, oh gravity, because, like, yeah, you have Matthew McConaughey explaining to physicists how gravitational pull affects time. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> wait a second. Uh huh. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that until we were up here. <laughs> I'm the worst scientist ever. Thank you for explaining that to me. Oh, man. I thought we were in trouble for a second here. Glad you're here with us, millions of miles away from home. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that, I mean, that's why it's number three for me. I mean, uh, just the mechanism of how the plot moves forward. It's just it's just very hard to follow. It's confusing. Mm. You have to watch it multiple times to even yeah minimally grasp grasp the mechanics of what's going on. But it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I like the movie. Yeah, it's good. It's short. Yep. Uh, the ending's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah. It's like uh shout out to Chad. Uh gave 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 me the recommendation to watch uh, Coherence. This movie Coherence reminds me a lot of Primer. Mm-hmm. The low budget aspect, the 
out there idea and then just the mechanics of what's going on. It's kind of they're kind of similar movies. Got you. So yeah, yeah Chad, you told, you'd like Primer. You told me to watch that, and I made a note of it. Here and you didn't do it. Episode. Well, I haven't. It's because you don't listen to me. It's like, what? You don't. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Excuse me. All right. So that's your number that's three. That's my number Primer. three. Yeah. Right. Uh, Primer. My number three. I will not spend too much time on this because uh, I already talked about it in our last top five of Halloween movies, which is Donnie Darko. Oh. Um, and okay. I'm going to touch on the high points again. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm talking about the original theatrical version of this movie, yeah. not the over beat you over the head with the director's cut. Yeah. Um, can you explain time travel to me again, Jack? <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> um, if you want to hear a clip from that movie, go back and listen to our top five there Halloween uh, movies. Um, but yeah, Donnie Darko. Uh, Came out in 2001, directed by Richard Kelly. Um, and I picked this movie because this, I, it was confusing. I didn't know, by the end of the movie, I didn't know what had happened concretely or definitively. Yep. But it was really good filmmaking, great story, great acting, and it was very, very engaging and engaging enough to, I think I watched it two times in a row the first time I saw it. Ooh. Um, and loved it. I loved talking about this movie um, just because it is a good conversation starter. It, it was a good um, thing. So you picked I, up Girls at Parties? Yeah, it's, it's what I did. I was That's just creeping in the corner. I'm like, have you That's ever right. seen Donnie Darko? Yeah. Can I get you a beer? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about a Parallel Could you please tell and- me again about your theories on Donnie Darko? <laughs> I'm really hot for you. Yeah. Do you want to go upstairs? No, I want to finish us talking about this movie. No, please discuss. <laughs> um, but it, people still kind of talk about it. Um, I think more or less the mystery has been, at least for me, I think it's been explained enough by the writer, director, yeah. what actually Pounded happened. Death. Yeah. So it's no longer confusing, but it is probably one of the more enjoyable movies that I've watched to where by the end... I couldn't really tell you for sure what had actually had happened, but they had enough different things going on in the movie that you could kind of draw different points to it. Um, Now I've said in previous episodes to where I hate movies to where it's weird just for the sake of being weird or confusing for the sake of being confusing. This wasn't that because it's the writer and director knew what he was doing knew the story he was telling, he just didn't have some key elements in that movie, which I think worked because the character, uh, Donnie Darko, I think by the end, knew what was happening, but um, more or less, I feel like he was confused most of the time up until he read that book in the movie, the the philosophy of time travel right. or whatever from that book. He understood what he had to do from us as an audience. We weren't a hundred percent sure. I think maybe Richard Kelly was so deep into the story. He thought the audience would have, would grasp it just because, I mean, he knew exactly what it was. It's like one of the, he was too close to it to where maybe he thought that, um, audiences would have picked up on it more. Um, which is why I think he came out with a director's cut. But I think it was so good as is that because if it is too confusing, studios will be like, what the fuck's going on? Mm. Um, you need to 
explain this better, but I think it was so good to where the producers were like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Like it sparks conversation. It's whatever. Um, and yeah, they don't need to fully understand it. Yeah. And I think I, I didn't see the director's cut, uh, from, from what I've seen clips of, like he has excerpts of the book in there and stuff like that, which I don't know. I think it's kind of like some movies like this are kind of fun just to talk about. Oh, what do you think happened? What do you, yeah, um, base and, but getting your clues from what was presented in the movie. Um, and there were several different theories you could draw just from what was presented in the movie. Um, I mean, they talk about God's will, they talk about parallel universes, they talk about time travel and, but all those different things do add up to the definitive explanation of what actually happened and um which is why i give this movie a pass because other movies that try to be confusing for the sake of being confusing so the person could be like well it's, it's just a it's how to, you interpret it's, it. it yeah it's how you interpret it and I'm like well what did you mean by it well i wanted the audience to nope that's bullshit yep. so that means you didn't have a complete story or you were bumble fucking around or you just wanted to waste people's time like i right. don't buy that excuse to where this there was an actual legitimate reason um which if you watch the movie and you're still confused there's plenty of websites on the internet that explain it i think there's mm-hmm. screenshots you can find of the philosophy of time travel and stuff but um, yeah, you're right. The, the ending of that movie, you understood his motivations. You knew why he did it, why why it ended that way. Mm-hmm. The ending made sense. It's it explains what? everything. Yeah, right. any question you had, the supplemental context. And again, I know earlier <laughs> in this episode, I just said, oh, if you're if you adapt a book and something's in the book, you shouldn't have to read other media to be able to get understand the movie. I guess I'm contradicting myself in this. Uh, Wait, you're being confusing. <clears throat> what? Um, <laughs> But I can do what I want. I can uh, do what I want. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't appreciate other people's explanations just for the sake of explaining things, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Donnie Darko, my number three. No, that's a good pick. All right. My number two is Tenant. Hey. Is that your number two? That's my number two. Get out of here. That's my number two. Hey. See? So why'd you pick it as your number two? Um, it's just confusing. Again, the mechanism of the storyline. Uh, the plot itself is understandable. If you haven't seen Tenet, I know it came out a couple years ago, but uh, spoiler alert. Essentially, it's about John David Washington plays a spy that tries to prevent a ca- catastrophic event from the future from happening in the present. And then that's it. Mm-hmm. To get there, he has to use some sort of time travel method in order to prevent that from happening. And that in lies where this movie is just... It's Christopher. It's not like Interstellar and Inception, which are out there ideas. But I understood. Mm-hmm. Again, the mecha, we keep saying mechanism. Like I understood Dream Within a Dream for Inception. Yeah. I understood black holes and you understood and, the plot device and the narrative structure. Thank you. Yes. Wow, you're very. God, you're so smart. I'm I just am. a dummy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> fucking moron. I'm just a fucking mouth breather over here. <laughs> over here drawing shit and crayons for you. <laughs> yeah. I got those big crayons. <laughs> Fucking eat uh, half chewed off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's just, th- this is the most borderline insufferable to where I've watched it three times now. I like the movie, but it's probably my least enjoyable Nolan movie because I just can't follow the mechanism in it. It's so insufferable sometimes. So I have this as my number two. I've only seen it once. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> 
if it gets if a movie gets too confusing for me, it'll either make me want to rewatch it or it's going to make me want to hate it. This movie kind of fell in the middle. I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. I was kind of underwhelmed or I get wait, I guess whelmed. You're whelmed. I was whelmed. I was whelmed. <laughs> just because I was in inter- I was looking forward to a Christopher Nolan spy thriller. Of course, yeah. Um I enjoyed the movie. I will watch it again. Mm-hmm. Uh I only saw it once. I think because this came out during COVID. 2020. And so I saw it on my glorious 42-inch screen, 1080p. Oh, yeah. I got got a window on my right just, you know, glaring in. Glaring in. Yeah. Um, It's the same experience, right? Yeah, exact same. Uh, I'll I'll watch it again. I, I... no, I want to watch it when I have some time because it's a lengthy movie. Yeah, but um, this is the first movie that me and Nicole watched. You know, this this was the first movie released after COVID. Oh, that you like went September twenty twenty. Yep, first movie we went to go see back in the theater because I wanted to watch it so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it didn't it didn't sour the movie for me to where I wouldn't want to watch it again. Watch it again. We'll get to that one. But the uh, <laughs> but no, I mean. I agree. I understand what they were doing, but there were certain scenes in there that because we typically think things in a linear fashion as far as point A to point B, mm-hmm. uh, the scene where the car chase, right after the car chase, you had uh, John David Washington going in um, on one side of the fence and at the same time, it was like on the other side of the fence, they were going in reverse time that he was chasing them. He was trying to get the girl that they had kidnapped at the same right. time. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, how how did they start going backwards in time? I mean, it's exactly you get it, to this point where you're like, there's a couple know. of scenes to where yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. So how is this supposed to work? And um, I would. The second time I watch it, I'll probably have to be by myself with a pencil, some and notes, some paper to right. like draw some pictures or some some, Excel spreadsheets, like some, something <laughs> that'll help me visualize what is actually yeah. happening. Um, well, Christopher Nolan's a smart dude, and it took him five years to complete this script. And I, the script, mm-hmm. not filming it, the idea and the script. Did, so if he's, I don't want to diminish to people because I want to project stupidity on somebody else. But like, do you think he got to the point in the script to where he's like, "I've been working on this. How do I make this work?" Like, <laughs> Fuck it, I'm Christopher Nolan. Though. Exactly, <clears throat> that might have happened. That could be plausible. Because who who was the uh, who who's the guy that he gets? Uh, Kip. Uh, uh, there's like a um, Kip 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 Thorne. Oh yeah, 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 the Interstellar guy. Yeah, the physicist. So I yeah. think he helped with this concept. Okay, too. I could be mistaken though. Um, he was like consultant, He's consulting, or something like that. But um, hmm. Uh, I do like that they spent two hundred million dollars on this concept. Yeah, and I like that. And that's go I mean, go balls to the wall, man. I will never be mad at movies like this that come out, especially with the two. I mean, and in my mind, I don't think Christopher Nolan can really do wrong, or I don't want to say he can do wrong, just because 
I like his big ideas and I like how he gets a massive budget yeah. for his original big ideas. Yep. And he's literally the only one right now. Yeah. Um, Which well, I am looking forward to Oppenheimer. I'm very excited about that. Nice yeah. little biopic. That'll be good. Um, Jesus. I'm like, screw <laughs> What? I was trying to find like <laughs> consultants or like a special thanks or something. Um, oh my God. I'm, transportation department. Additional crew. I don't know. But massive movie. It's... Um, yeah, it, it, it is confusing. Yeah. Um, I have a clip. That, so yeah, I'm gonna set this scene thanks. up. Special thanks, Kip Thorne. Kip Thorne, uh, so. old Kip. Kip, you didn't do your job. I'm sorry. I got us mouth breathers here don't understand what's going on. Yeah. But this clip I'm about to play. This is uh, this is pretty. It's pretty well uh, a good uh, illustration of the confusion of what's going on. Basically, John David Washington is being explained entropy, reverse entropy, and the whole concept of time travel by a scientist in a lab with bullets. Mm-hmm. So here we go. One of these bullets is like us, traveling forwards through time. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? How about now? It's inverted. Its entropy runs backwards. So to our eyes, its movement is reversed. We think it's a type of inverse radiation triggered by nuclear fission. You didn't make it. We don't know how yet. So where did it come from? Someone's manufacturing them in the future. They're streaming back at us. Try it. You have to have dropped it. to move before I touch it. From your point of view, you caught it. But from the bullet's point of view, you dropped it. The cause comes before effect. No, that's just the way we see time. Well, what about free will? That bullet wouldn't have moved if you hadn't put your hand there. Either way, we run the tape. You made it happen. Oh, my God. (laughs) Stop. See, I mean, the more I watch it, I'm just like, oh, give me a break. Sometimes it's like, all right, it's cool to look at, and it seems intriguing, but my brain just takes a massive shit on itself just trying to understand this. Yeah, it, the entropy is inverted. Well, how'd that happen? Uh, hasn't happened yet. We don't understand. It's it's being it's traveling back in time. Wait, how's that happening? Just just go with it. Just just <laughs> just go with it. <laughs> Here, pick up the bullet. First, you'd have to have dropped it. What? I didn't drop it yet. <laughs> I haven't dropped it yet. Just look, act like you're... Fe- I want you to picture in your mind that you dropped it and then it magically... Well, how does the bullet know that? How? Oh, God. Anyway. Yeah, this this is like... That's a minute clip and it's like that throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. They have this... Uh, uh, this this maneuver that they talk about called the, the introverted pincher maneuver or whatever. Yep. Where they have like the scene you're talking about, they have one scene going back in time, one scene going forward in time. Mm-hmm. One one team does a mission. It's basically a way to do two things at once. Yeah, but you have to know if you're going, if you're going back in time to do something, you have to know. And this is where it gets confusing. You have to know what happened in the future to know what you're going to have to do in the, in the past. Yeah. 
It's you know the um I remember going <clears throat> watching this movie. Um, there is a scene where John David Washington sits down with was it the arms dealer yeah. Kenneth Branagh, who's awesome by the way. Uh, wasn't him. It was the the woman. Oh, that he talks okay. with on the balcony. So, I know you're talking about. <clears throat> before we started this movie, I under I heard that it was dealing with like time travel or is kind of like a very heady movie. Um, and what I was hoping for, I was like, I hope there's not a scene in here that just beats you over the head with shit that people probably know, like the scene in Interstellar. Right, with the paper and the pencil. With the paper and, and the pencil and then the gravitational pull and how it affects and the thing and, and the the effect thing. on time dilation. <laughs> I, I, That was the only thing I really didn't like in that movie was that scene. Because from my standpoint, I already knew it. It wastes time in the movie. Let's get past. Like if they would have just happened to where if they came up from the planet, it was like, shit, how long have we been gone? To where they didn't even talk about or they could have just mentioned it like you're going to get need to get down there quick and back because gravity is massive down there. Mm. They could have just left it at that. Come back. And you're like, how long has it been? 24 years. And, and you would understand. You'd get it. Uh, you'd get it. And <laughs> um but also, if people are already aware of it and they said the gravity is massive down there, you need to be quick, then people who understood that beforehand would be like, oh, so time's going to be traveling a lot faster right? Uh, outside of that area than it will be for him um, or relative to his time. So I was hoping, I was like, man, I hope in Tenant they just don't fucking halt the brakes and like explain something super stupid in this movie. Then I watched the movie. And I thought that scene when he was talking to the woman on the balcony. Um, Did that? I, well, no. I, I thought that's what it was going to lead to, and it didn't. Um, but after I got done watching, like, I was like about halfway through the movie, I was like... I really wish they'd explain it. I wish it. I really <laughs> wish pump the fucking brakes and understand, so I can understand what the fuck's going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I take back everything I said about that. <laughs> I'm a dummy. I'm sorry. Can I'm you so dumb. Tell me? <laughs> <laughs> but... This is one of those movies where, uh, like Kip Thorne, to where I'm, I consider myself a smart guy. I'm like, are these people just fucking with us? Like, where where they're just like, oh, you're thinking linearly. I mean, you think A to B, you got to think like inversion and loop, and you get, your mind has to be in that aspect, if, or you won't get it. It's like you're telling me that confidently, like you know what you're talking about, but are you just doing that to seem smart? I, I or bet do you actually this, know what you're talking about. I bet about? when the movie was released and the reviews started coming out because you're going to get some critics that just pander. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's a very groundbreaking. Oh, awesome movie. Like acting like they understand. I imagine like, uh, Christopher Nolan and Kip Thorne, like sitting in their pajamas the morning after they're like eating cereal, reading the reviews online. They're like fucking laughing and pouring <laughs> down their chin and shit. Right. Like yeah. these fucking dummies. He said he understood. <laughs> you don't know what the fuck is going on. It's like, it's bullshit. It's a, we fucking made it up. It means nothing. <laughs> two plus two equals chair. They're writing it down. <laughs> fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man, this movie. But, but still, but, it's enjoyable. Yeah. It is. I'd watch it again. Robert Pattinson's good in it. John David Washington's good in it. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh's awesome. Yeah. The best Russian accent from a Scot. Is he Scottish? Or is he English? I don't remember. Irish? Anyway, he's one I of those. He's got it. Maybe he's English. Fuck, I don't know. He's, he's, he's up He's up there he's with all the, the, pond. the wig wearing. He's in the, 
He's in the the, the EU where the pound is the currency. Whatever. He's got. He talks all weird. Yeah. He's very good at, at, at uh, the don't, Russian don't accent. Don't speak American. Yeah, he don't speak American. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's confusing, but it's still worth worth a watch, and it's something that I will watch again in the future. I will too. Um. Yep. And just because, just from a as a film, from a filmmaking aspect, I mean, whatever he makes is just it's very good, so good. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. That, okay. That's our number two. It's number two. So it'll be your turn again. Yes. My number one is the most insufferable movie I've ever watched. <clears throat> Ooh. I watched it again for this, and uh, it's the reason why I didn't want to watch any other movies because I, I can't uh, stand this movie. Oh, uh, hold on! I don't know what it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, it's weird. I'll, it's I'll, it, I'll count to three. Okay. And then we just say it. Yeah. One, two, three. Mulholland Drive. Drive. Yep. Hey. Hey, is hey. that your number one? Yeah, that's my number one. <clears throat> Ah, so there's some sanity in this world. So I was gonna, I was going to watch this last night, <sighs> and I searched for it, and I found it on Amazon Prime. I was like, oh, three ninety nine. Ugh. I, because I, I watched <laughs> four, this one time in college. Dollars. I was like, I don't want to fucking waste four dollars on this. And you're, you would be right. And then I looked at the runtime, and it was like two and a half hours. And long. I was like, fuck that. I'm going to bed. And <laughs> but yeah, I, I Good wanted. Choice. I wanted to. I didn't need to rewatch any of the other ones. Yeah. Um, I wanted to rewatch this one because I wanted to give it a fair shot. Mm-hmm. The first time I watched it, I was in college, and um, so you're surrounded by a bunch of pretentious other people that love film and movies. Want to sound profound? Yeah. And like, oh, Mulholland Drive. You, did you get it? Oh, dude, <clears throat> it's awesome. Did you love that scene? It, with the so cowboy? good. God. And so many ways that could be interpreted. Uh. And I watched it once in college and it just it irritated the shit out of me to where I'd never wanted to watch it again. I just, no, don't. You'd be right. I, I don't want to. I don't need to. And I saw the runtime and I was like, God. Not it, doing it? it? Well, I wasn't going to do it. I, may, I might watch it again sometime. <laughs> to punish yourself? In the future. Maybe. I don't you know. can't make your mortgage. You're like, you know what? I'm watching Mulholland Drive. I just want to <laughs> see if I have a different response to it um yeah i did i <laughs> uh i sure did y- you talk about it I, c- I can go on so i watched it when it first came out in 01 what was i 16 and i just thought it was weird mm-hmm. but i thought i understood it uh but i just never watched it again i remember being confused i watched it again five days ago and i hated it even more it's one of those movies like you said i'm not a fan of movies being weird for the sake of being weird mm-hmm this is absolutely one of those movies. Yeah. And it's not like, because I think like Terry Gilliam does some <clears throat> like more like cinematic poems to where kind of like a like Tree of Life and more. You mean Terrence Malick? Terrence Malick. Jesus. Yeah. Who did I say? Terry Gilliam. I was yeah, like the geez. Monty Python guy. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Life of Brian. Is oh. that what you're talking about? Anyway, Terrence Malick. <laughs> <laughs> Same same person, fucking same person. Um, oh man, the uh, you know Peter Farrelly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joel Ethan. You mean yeah. Joel Eaton? <laughs> totally different people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like cinematic poems towards like kind of elicit a feeling. 
or right. you're supposed to like experience emotions throughout it to where tree life is a good example. Yeah. And that I can understand. That's I can get that. <clears throat> um, yeah. I, yeah. Again, when I watched this one, it was, I, again, it, this was 20 years ago. Yeah. And, um, I, I didn't understand it then. I was with it, I think, about 70%, 60% of the way through the movie. Yeah. And there's like the last part of it I felt like just went off the rails um, to where, and I don't remember much about it other yeah. than, I, I remember two parents coming underneath the door crack. Yep. Or something. I mean, it, it's just, what the fuck is, what? It's nonsense. It's the whole fucking thing is, ridiculous. It's fucking nonsense. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you a summary of what it's what it's about to the best of, to the best of my abilities. So please bear with me. But <clears throat> essentially, uh, Naomi Naomi Watts is in it. She's great, by the way. It's this is again why it's so weird. And David Lynch movies are weird. He'll have phenomenal actors like Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet, or uh, um, oh crap, what's his name? Kyle McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this movie, Naomi Watts. Far and far and above and away, the better actors in the movie, and then he'll have just weirdos in the movie. That, yeah, he has Robert Forster in this movie, right? I mean, he, yeah, he's good in it. But like, then he'll insert a no-name person that just looks weird, or someone who's he's related to to play a meaningful part in the movie. And it, you get the dichotomy of the performances is so off; it's so weird. Anyway, so Naomi Watts plays. Betty, if I remember right, Betty, uh, and then oh god, I can't remember the other actress's name. Laura Haring. Laura Haring plays Rita. Rita. So Rita's in a car crash and has amnesia. She stumbles upon Betty's house. Betty tries to aid Rita and trying to figure out what's going on. Why do you have amnesia? And then it just goes into this instantly goes into this weird offshoot scenes of there's a guy in a diner who has a weird dream, goes out to the back gets scared by a homeless person and collapses and dies. Then it cuts to a scene play of a uh, director played by Justin Thoreau. Mm-hmm. He's trying to cast his movie. <clears throat> People are, he, there's inner workings with the mob. The mob's forcing him to cast a certain person in it. He doesn't want to. So they cut funding to the film. And then <clears throat> he goes, I have a scene of the cowboy. It's like the most infamous scene, m- most out of nowhere scene in the movie to where I don't understand the context of the cowboy and what the purpose of it's fucking weird. (laughs) It's so weird. Uh, So there's that going on. He's trying to cast his movie. Meanwhile, Rita is trying to help. um, Crap. I already forgot the name. Betty. Sorry. Betty is trying to help Rita figure out why she has amnesia for whatever reason. They go to this diner where She's reminded of another name, Diane something, Diane something. Uh, so they look her up in the phone book. They go to her apartment. Ladies' apartment they go to, they're like, oh, no, I switched apartments with Diane so-and-so. She lives in this apartment. <clears throat> so then they go to that apartment, Jay. They find a dead woman on the bed. They freak out. For whatever reason, Rita decides to disguise herself with a blonde wig. They go back to Betty's apartment they have sex, so Naomi Watts and uh, Laura, what's her Haring. name? Haring have like a pretty intense lesbian sex scene for no reason, and then it cuts, fades to black, <laughs> and then, 
And then they wake up and Betty is like, I need to go to see this concert or whatever, this club. I need to go to this club to see this concert. And I have another clip where they just go into this hall, Jay, this like opera hall, and they listen to this lady sing. And they start sobbing in the audience because her song is so beautiful. And then for whatever reason, the song, the singer stops singing. The song is still going because it's playback. She's not actually singing, collapses and dies. And then the movie cuts again to, okay, I'm trying, I'm trying my best to explain this. Cuts to black to where Naomi Watts wakes up to where she's not Betty. She's actually this Diane person that they were trying to find and was the dead lady that they found in the apartment. She walks out of the apartment and then you realize that Rita is actually Justin Thoreau's like wife and is starring in the movie that he's casting. And turns out that Naomi Watts' character is like a discouraged actress who can't get parts and is in love with Justin Thoreau's wife. And then it, she realizes that she can't have her so she goes into depression, and the movie ends. I have the ending scene here too, mm-hmm. to where she hallucinates for whatever reason by these two, like that the two old people you're talking about that creak up. So there's a knock on the door. It's these two old people that just barge in and like start screaming at her for whatever reason. She hallucinates and gets so overcome with emotion, she takes a gun and kills herself. Then the movie ends. It's so fucking <clears throat> nonsensical and weird, Jay. That just you you watch the movie, you get angry. You don't nothing relates to anything else. It's just weird for the sake of being weird. And you kind of understand how the story is supposed to thread together with the amnesia aspect and kind of like memento to where you're trying to piece. Oh, I see. She's been dreaming this the whole time, or whatever the case may be. But it just doesn't work. It's so weird and. Absolutely confusing. So, and because it doesn't work, I mean, I think a couple of things happen with this. And again, I need to rewatch it again because I, I hate shitting on something that I saw 20 years ago and just was so frustrated by it. I didn't want to watch it again. You can just let me know what you think. <laughs> is, <laughs> I think there's a little bit, because th- I mean, this is a very celebrated movie. I know. And I feel like every, I know every person with their head up their own ass loves this movie because either it makes them feel smart or they can just be one of those, oh, you don't get it kind of yeah. a thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those, the emperor's clothes. The emperor's not wearing any clothes. Like, it's it's, it's just one of the, like, I, I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. Again, I haven't looked into this movie at all <clears throat> as far as trying to understand the meaning <clears throat> because I didn't care. The movie wasn't interesting enough to me or at least sparked anything inside my head that made me want to find out more. Um, so it failed on that aspect. Um, Let me give you an explanation. So this is uh, an explanation of David Lynch. Lynch has declined to offer an explanation of his intentions for the narrative, leaving audiences, critics, and cast members to speculate on what transpires. He gave the film the tagline, a love story in the city of dreams. Yeah. What bullshit? So here's another. What? Here's another. Uh, an excerpt from David Lynch, <laughs> "The Man from Another Place," okay. a book by Dennis Lim. Uh, and if the author mentions how much Lynn Lynch despises interpretation of his work, he writes, 
Writing about David Lynch, it could be hard not to hear his voice in your head, protesting the violence being done to his work. As soon as you put things into, in words, no one ever sees the film the same way, he once told me. And that's what I hate, you know? Talking. It's real dangerous. What? That's what, yeah. That's what Lynch said. Yeah, that's what Lynch said. Talking's so, dangerous. Apparently, oh, talking, boy. don't misinterpret my work. How about you make something that makes fucking sense instead of acting like a tortured artist to yeah. where, but here's another thing. Apparently, <laughs> this is David Lynch's 10 clues to unlocking this thriller. Oh, please. I would love to hear this. This comes from IMDb, so this could have been updated by your mom for all right. we know. Right. It's updated by you, right, Jack? <laughs> by me. <laughs> Pay particular attention in the beginning of the film. At least two clues are revealed before the credits. Okay. Clues to what? Yeah, clues to what? I don't know what that means. Uh, number two, notice appearances of the red lampshade. Number three, can you hear the title of the film that Adam Kesher is auditioning actresses for? Is it mentioned again? An accident <laughs> is a terrible event. Notice the location of the, of the accident. Who gives a key and why? Notice the robe, the ashtray, the coffee cup. <laughs> what is felt, realized, and gathered at the Club Silencio? Did talent alone help Camila? Camilla? Camila? <laughs> fucking names. You with names. God, I can't just be fucking Jessica. Uh, <laughs> notice the occurrences surrounding the man behind Winkies. Where is Aunt Ruth? So, did that help you? No. no. Not, not in the slightest. So, um, <clears throat> oh boy. Again, and I could, I could be dumb as shit. I probably am. I'm sure I'm stupid. But, it's like, who did he fucking make this for? 20,000 people? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. I don't know. And Satisfy his own... Something. Like, it, it just seems... Desires? It seems elitist. It seems... <clears throat> it seems douchey. Yeah. For lack of a better word. To where he thought this... I mean, and I... I don't think I've seen any of his other work. Because this is the first movie... Because... I think someone, the reason why I saw this in college, if I can remember correctly, is someone said, oh, have you seen David, uh, do you like David Lynch movies? And I'm like, oh, don't know. Like, oh, he did Twin Peaks. And I'm like, I think I saw Twin Peaks. I was like, eh, I, I think I saw Twin Peaks when I was in high school. I just remember being weird. It's like, watch Mulholland Drive. That's, that's like his, I mean, of course, it just came out. And yeah. People were like, oh, this is amazing. And everything else and I watched Mulholland Drive like if you if you like Mulholland Drive you like David Lynch I did not like Mulholland Drive so I did <laughs> not watch another David Lynch yeah thing again um well, he has the ability to make a story that's coherent that you can follow that's good that has plot and a reason that I, he, I'm sure he does he made a movie called The Elephant Man that <clears> I've seen that's actually very good Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt it's very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm sure, and I'm not saying he's a dog shit filmmaker, because I think to be able to make a piece of shit like this and to have it... Um, be critically viable? Yeah, critically acclaimed. It's it's not... It's like when, um, like, an impressionist... Impression, 
expressionistic art yeah. where people just throw shit on the canvas and some people look at it and they're like, oh, this is amazing. And then other people look at it like, no, it looks like a bunch of fucking paint. And, <laughs> and I'm not saying like some people don't get this movie, but I, I feel like I think maybe some people react to this movie and they like it because of it. Um, and but you could also get somebody you can get an impressionist artist to throw shit on a canvas and have it be considered art and you can get Joe blow off the street, do the same thing and it won't be considered art. Right. So there yeah. is some skill and technique behind what he's doing. I'm sure. Um, because it is watching it up until it starts flying off the fucking rails, watching it. I am entertained up until that point. And then once it just starts going bad shit left, then it loses me. And by the time I get to the end, nothing's resolved. Nothing's, I mean, you don't get anything more. You're just left confused. Yeah. And you're left wondering what the fuck you just watched. And are you supposed to feel anger? Because, I mean, that that's what I felt. Or indifference. I mean, what was the purpose? And to have the director then come say, nothing. Don't, t- don't, don't interpret it. I hate it when people try and interpret my shit. Be more clear. And yeah. your messaging is what you're trying to do. Because other than that, I take it as you're just trying to fuck with people or you're not, you are not succeeding in your goal. If you mm-hmm. think, if you don't like people misinterpreting your stuff, then you are not accomplishing your mission when you make this, when you make a film. And because if you make something, there's a, I mean, unless you want to make it open to interpretation, but you can't have it both ways. You can be obscure to try and get an audience. Oh, I want an audience to come up with their own, their own thing, be moved by whatever it is that they're seeing, which I can get from like Tree of Life or something like that. But something that is kind of positioned as like a mystery, and because mysteries tend to, you know, have a story and a plot and, and a conclusion that you a understand. conclusion that you understand, and it has like some kind of meaning, <clears throat> especially like because this movie when I first watched it, it was felt very noir esque. Yeah, it and. Does. Um, with new with noir as the genre, you typically have other sublying themes that are consistent within the noir genre. <laughs> I mean that it was this was lost uh, absolutely on me completely. Can I go through some clips here real quick? God damn it, this is good. Right. <clears throat> so this is a scene where Justin Thoreau's character meets the infamous cowboy. The dialogue and the reason behind this, it, it's it's a mystery to me. It's one of those out of left field scenes mm-hmm. that just, I feel like this movie is just a, a, a strung together uh, chorus of scenes that just don't make sense and they mm-hmm. don't relate to one another. Anyway, here we go. Howdy to you. Beautiful evening. Yeah. You want to thank you for coming all the way up here to see me from that nice hotel downtown. No problem. What's on your mind? Well, now, here's a man who wants to get right down to it. Kind of anxious to get to it, are you? Whatever. Man's attitude. Man's attitude goes some ways the way his life will be. Is that something you might agree with? Sure. 
Now, did you answer because that's what you thought I wanted to hear? Or did you think about what I said and answer because you truly believe that to be right? I agree with what you said, truly. What'd I say? That a man's attitude determines to a large extent how his life will be. So since you agree, you must be a person who does not care about the good life. How's that? We'll stop for a little second and think about it. Can you do that for me? <laughs> okay. I'm thinking. No, you're not thinking. You're too busy being a smart aleck to be thinking. Now I want you to think and stop being a smart aleck. Can you try that for me? Look, where's this going? What do you want me to do? There's sometimes a buggy. How many drivers does a buggy have? One. So let's just say I'm driving this buggy and if you fix your attitude, you can ride along with me. Okay. I want you to go back to work tomorrow. You were recasting the lead actress anyway. Audition many girls for the part. When you see the girl that was shown to you earlier today, you will say, this is the girl. The rest of the cast can stay. That's up to you. But that lead girl is not up to you. Now you will. All right, I can't do it anymore. I mean, what? <laughs> so, two issues. One, that dialogue is nonsensical and just fucking stupid. Two, this scene doesn't have Naomi Watts' character or Laura Harding's character in it. I feel like if you're going to go through this amnesia viewpoint of trying to figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. they would need to be in every scene cause, since because they're not in this. As the audience, as you're, the audience you're discovering the story right. along with the amnesia. Yeah. What does this have to That's do with that? That's your portal of, yeah. It doesn't have to do with anything. It's just an excuse to be obscure. Mm-hmm. And the actor who's delivering these lines as the cowboy is awful. Awful. It's terrible. Yeah. That's the whole movie. I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. It's awful. Oh, uh, another good clip here. Oh, this is a scene where remember when I told you that they have sex and they wake up and they're like we gotta go watch the singer. This scene lasts for six minutes. The sex scene? No, no. The scene where they go to the singer. The singer to watch the singer. It's literally a scene that is six minutes long. You are listening to this lady sing. It's just her with a single spotlight. They're the only two in the audience, and they're sobbing. They're so overcome with emotion about how beautiful this song is. It's six minutes long, but I'm just going to play 30 seconds of this. <laughs> I'm just going to play five and a half minutes. To let it. you know that this scene is this scene is six minutes long with this. Verte otra vez. 
Yo que pensé que te olvidé. Six minutes of that. I'm sobbing. And there's close-ups of Naomi Watson. They're they're just so overcome with joy or emotion, and it's like, what's that supposed to represent? I'm trying to understand. What does that represent? Why even have that in there? Well, I mean, people in Hollywood are a lot smarter than us, and I'm sure. I don't know. We can't be the only ones thinking. Like, it's. I don't know. It's obtuse for being sake for the of sake being, of being obtuse. Yeah. And obtuse. Obtuse. <laughs> so like good. Justin Thoreau, I'm sure is very tough. Maybe he got it. Maybe we could write him a letter or something. But I feel like he'd be in his trailer like I mean the guy who wrote Tropic Thunder gets it. Like he wanted to <laughs> the uh um I I'm sure there's probably he to- told us that oh, I'd love to be in a David Lynch movie. Yeah. And then he gets a script and he's like, the fuck? like you think some of these actors like read the script and like, or they see the finished product. They're at the premiere. They sit down and they watch it and they're like, what the fuck? All right. Well, I guess this isn't going to be the career boost. I thought it was going to be right. Um, because I mean, Justin throw around that time is it 2001, 2001. I mean, he had already done American Psycho. He had a small, like a co-starring yeah. role in that. He had. He I, definitely was not the status he is now. Yeah, and oh, no. maybe they all got it, and we're just two dummies. And do you really think sitting in a fucking basement? It's like at seventy-two, eighty percent of Rotten Tomatoes are now critic score. Do you really it, think that they, that I think is the Emperor's clothes? I think I think yeah. for the general audience that love this movie, I. I cannot see why they do. And if their only response is, oh, you don't get it. Great. Fucking explain it to me. Please. By all means. Could you write it down? Let me know what this movie means. You could even write it in crayon so that I understand it. (laughs) Exactly. Draw pictures. Yeah. Small words and nice (laughs) pictures. Um But I think a lot of, I mean, I, I feel like, and this this could be me projecting, but I feel like a lot of the people who say, oh, this is a fantastic film and blah, blah. I mean, technically speaking, it's a well, I mean, the, the cinematography, yeah, yeah. the production design, the act, uh, some, some of the acting, acting yeah. uh, is well done. Um, it's not like, shot with a camcorder or anything like it's technically it's a very good movie from the technical aspects of filmmaking but minus maybe editing but Mm -hmm. um but i feel like a lot of the people and again i'm probably projecting are saying they like it because they want to feel like they're smart they don't want to feel like the dummy so the emperor's clothes effect to where oh yeah oh it's so great just to make them seem more interesting Sorry, but what you like doesn't make you interesting. If you're interesting, you're interesting. Not just because you like a fucking movie doesn't mean you're interesting. Right. Um, so I, I really wasn't going to date that guy, but then he told me he liked Mulholland Drive. And, yeah. Know. Oh, he's so much deeper than God, I am. God, he's deep. And so <laughs> I, I don't know where it's coming from. And uh, it's on Criterion. I mean, it's celebrated. It's critically acclaimed. I'd like to know why. Yeah. Like, what's the... Fu- like, every... <clears throat> I... I would not be surprised if everyone kind of got together that loved this movie 
and then you just had the first person with the biggest ball sitting in the circle, and he's like, I really didn't like it, and I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. <clears throat> and then it's just like a cascading effect. Yeah, of yeah, everyone's yeah. like, oh, fuck, yeah, me too, man. <laughs> God, yeah. this thing was fucking weird, wasn't it? And then everyone just realized, oh, no one got it. And I wouldn't be surprised in the least if that was just like, I'm, I'm waiting for some kind of film critic just to write an article on like, screen culture or like some rant, right, Hollywood reporter would be like, ah, Mulholland Drive after, after 20 years. Yeah. Guess what? It fucking sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, they always write articles about, uh, movies that need a second chance. They're actually cult classics. <laughs> like they didn't get a good, uh, sure. Go when yeah. it first was originally released and they're, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. They never do it the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> let, let's, let's take a hard look at this guys. Like, <laughs> exactly. is this good? Yeah. This is up there. That's that's this is the movie. Man. Anyway, that's my number one. Yeah, that's my number one. That is, it's an awful Fucking movie. Piece of shit. But you can watch it again if you want, but I'm telling you. I it's a I'm, waste of again time. it would have to be a time to where I have nothing to do. Like really nothing to do. And yeah. it can't be late at night. Mm-hmm. Because I'll probably just say fuck it, turn. And I have to, I think I have to be in a good mood before I watch this because I saw the three ninety nine. And I'm like, God damn it, I got to pay money for this. And then I saw the two and a half hour runtime. I'm like, motherfucker, it's eight o'clock. Yeah, so it's got to be 11 o'clock. I was o'clock. like, of course it's two and a half fucking hours. It can't be an hour and a half. I yeah. was like, oh, I need all two and a half hours of this shit. Conditions have to be perfect for Jay. It's got to be 11 o'clock on a Sunday. No kids. He's had his coffee in him. Yeah. He's had some breakfast. <clears throat> and I got to be happy. Because I, because I know if I'm, if I'm irritated about something or if my mind is somewhere else or if I'm just generally not happy that day Mm -hmm. it's gonna affect the way i see the movie yeah because some movies that i watch and i enjoy i'll watch depending on what my mood is like oh, i'm in the mood for this kind of movie i did the same thing like if i'm if i think the movie's going to piss me off i feel like i need to be happier to experience it to experience it because i know it's going to take me down a couple of levels Mm. by the end of it or i don't want to have that leading into the movie already with a negative attitude before i try and re-experience it again because i know as soon as the opening credits or like the first couple scenes in the opening credits like fucking this thing is a piece of shit and then i'll just be pissed off the rest of the movie well if you follow the list jay i I, i'm gonna have that list on hand yeah yeah i'm gonna have that list (laughs) <laughs> of his advice on how to interpret the movie. Yeah. And then right next to that is going to be his quote about how he doesn't like people talking about interpreting his movies. Wait, so he um, made that list? The 10? According to IMDb. No, oh. It was on IMDb. Again, is probably... Because he's contradicting himself. If he made the list on how to interpret it. And contradicting? He said, <laughs> people don't do that. <laughs> now he's just fucking with you. <laughs> Which Remember that time when I told you how to interpret it? I want to make a list of how to interpret it. Like I, I, really feel, I feel like he pitches it to producers and like he shows up in his like most uh, ass hattery clothes to where he's like got like an ascot and yeah. wearing a fucking bowler hat or something like yeah. that. And he's like a flowing cloak and a cape. And he's like, I want to make a film, Mulholland Drive. Here's the script. And they're like, oh, David Lynch, you're, you're very good. But, uh, you're very eccentric. You understand this? No, no fucking print it. It's David Lynch. Very good. He I made lie. Twin Peaks. <laughs> to where he, like, he's like, oh, I'm just going to fuck with people. Yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> not going to lie. If I had that kind of power, I, I'd probably do that too. Yeah. Like, I, I at least make one thing. Like, if I was a film director, I mean, I, I am that kind of a person to where I'd make something that would just be so weird 
and be like, oh, well, what do you think? Like, I'd do that just to fuck with somebody. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd actually release it, <laughs> but I, I think I would like, I would play that kind of joke on somebody or I like to, I like to kind of make people feel like assholes or yeah. dumbasses from time to time. But well, um, if you got the David Lynch's status, at that point in his career, he'd been doing movies for like 30 years. So maybe yeah. he did get to that point. Yeah. And, and people say this is one of his masterpieces. I'm like, masterpiece of shit. But. It almost won the Palme d'Or at, at Con. Palm my hand. Palm. <laughs> Masturbating. <laughs> Be more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Yep. Anyway. That's our top five. Yeah. Uh, Let's run through them really quick. Let's do it. You do five through three. I'll do five through three, and then because we had the same two and one. Yep, five five to three. Killing them softly. Number four, No Country for Old Men. Number three, Primer. Number five, The Shining. Number four, two thousand one, Space Odyssey. Number three, Donnie Darko. Hmm. And then our number two was Tenet. Yep. And our number one was Mulholland Drive. Great lists. Yeah. Great there list. you go, Nicole. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Hope, hope you, you enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. Yeah. Hey, enjoy Jinx, that show. Jinx, you owe me a code, oh, God, God fuck. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Yes. Uh, join us next time as we discuss uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Uh, so don't, for, don't forget to uh, tune in for that episode. Uh, and as always, you can comment on our episodes um, and write to our email a cast with no name.com. It's in the description and everything else. Did you like Mulholland drive? Did you understand it? Please fucking tell us, please. Like if we're idiots and we completely miss the mark, please tell us where we're wrong. Um, I would love to hear it and we will talk about it. If you comment on it. Yeah, for sure. And if someone comments on it, why they liked it, I will rewatch the movie to see if you're full of shit or not. And to see if it holds water. So that way, since you've seen it recently, yes, then I can see it recently. Then we could at least respond to whatever you write. So please, yeah, write. To, if you like Mulholland Drive uh, or you, you understood it or what's your take on it or whatever, just let us know. Um, because until I hear otherwise, I, if, if I for think anything, it's fucking nonsense. To make Jay watch it again. Fucking. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so uh, again, hope you enjoyed the show. Till next time, Jay. Till next time, Matt.